blessed with such great music. It, it really ministers uh, to us. We're going to look at John chapter 8. We're continuing our study, the I Am Sayings of Jesus. I'll begin reading in just a moment in verse 12. You know, Antiochus IV was the Greek Seleucid ruler uh, from about 175 B.C. to 164 B.C., and he was probably one of the four or five most evil men ever to walk the face of the earth. Antiochus IV, uh, for us to understand, in his day would have been like a Hitler. He was infamous for his severe persecutions of the Jewish people. In fact, his terrible acts sort of and it did lead to the Jewish revolt known as the Maccabean revolt. But one of the things Antiochus did was this. In order to mock God uh, and to defile the temple, he took an unclean animal, a pig, and offered it as a sacrifice at the Lord's temple. He is pictured in the book of Daniel as sort of a foreshadowing or a type of the most evil one to come, Antichrist. But Antiochus IV was a very arrogant person. He gave himself the nickname Antiochus Epiphanes, which means the brilliant one or God manifest. Needless to say, he was full of himself. Amusingly, a lot of people in his day called him, instead of Antiochus Epiphanes, the brilliant one, they called him Antiochus Epimenes, the mad one. But you know, when I was growing up, you never gave yourself a nickname. It just wasn't cool. I had lots of friends, and those uh, two guys in the back, they'll know where I'm going with this, but people that I grew up with, a guy named Kevin Ferguson was always known as Ferg. His brother, we called him Baby Ferg because he was younger and shorter. Uh, we had another guy that I played ball with in school, Norman Turner. He was always known as Skeeter, but he wasn't small like a mosquito. He was about six foot four and weighed over 200 pounds in high school. I had another friend. His name was Hard Rock. I won't call who he was out because this is going online and he may see it, but we called him Hard Rock because one day in PE class, he and another guy hit heads and the other guy had to go to the hospital and Hard Rock just stood there and it didn't faze him a bit. We just made it short for Rock. Monty back there, Howard Claybo, Joanne's uncle, Judy's uncle, gave him the nickname Moose when he was playing baseball because he was, had a lot of brawn. But when I was growing up, somebody else gave you a nickname. If you tried to give yourself a nickname, you knew where that was going. They would say, who do you think to call yourself something? In fact, you'd be ridiculed if you tried to give some, yourself a nickname, but there were plenty of nicknames that others might give. I've been studying the Roman emperors, and it's interesting, the pride of those emperors is they tried to name themselves most of the time with godlike terms. There's only one individual who's ever walked the face of the earth who had the right to give himself a name, and you know where I'm going with that, it's Jesus. God 
in the flesh. We've been studying the I am sayings. Last week we looked at the fact that he provides every hunger, every need, every spiritual hunger we have. He is the bread of life. And remember he said, if you partake from me, you will never go hungry. Today we're moving into the second of Jesus' seven I am sayings. And we're looking at the fact that he calls himself the light of the world. Look with me at verse 12 of chapter 8. Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not come. Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word today, Lord Jesus, you're worthy of our praise. And through this study, we're learning more about who you are through the names, Lord, that you gave to yourself. I pray, Father, that if there be any here today who have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, that they would come to know you as Savior today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the context of uh, this week and last week's message is very important. And, and as we read and look at the uh, context or the setting for this, Jesus was speaking these words shortly after what was known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Some people called it the Feast of Booths, which uh, commemorated and acknowledged God's provision for his people during the 40 years of the wilderness wandering. We noticed last week how God provided manna that met that need as Jesus called himself the bread of life. And so during that time of the wilderness wanderings as they were a nomadic people, were not able to raise crops, God provided uh, with that manna uh, to feed them. Also in the Old Testament it says, and this is amazing, during the 40 years of their wilderness wandering, their clothes nor their shoes even wore out. And, and, but also as part of that history in Israel, God provided guidance during the wilderness wandering. That word wandering is not a misnomer. I mean, the people were wandering. They needed direction. And so you remember God led them what? By day, by a pillar of cloud. But at night, he led them by a pillar of fire. And so they were able to see the light. They were able to gain direction. And it was a representation of God's presence for them. And so here, a number of years after that fact, Jesus is speaking at a, a, at a festival that celebrated God's provision in this way, providing light for the people. And so it was said that 
in, in that particular setting that often during the Feast of Tabernacles there would be four large lamps that would be placed in the temple of the court of the women, which was the exterior part of the temple, and that, that these lights, as the people would come into the holy city to observe, that it would illuminate basically every courtyard throughout Jerusalem. And so Jesus, as we look in the middle of chapter 7, it speaks about the last day of this seven-day festival. And so when we come here to, to chapter 8, it is like a day or two days after this festival has ended. The lights that illuminated Jerusalem were still vivid in the minds of the individuals who attended. And Jesus said, I myself in the light of the world. So that's the context for it. But I want to look uh, basically at four truths about this saying of Jesus as Jesus claims and is the light of the world. First is this. It means that Jesus is both God and the Messiah to whom or about whom the prophets predicted. Two weeks ago, we studied John chapter 8, and Jesus said these two words before Abraham was, I am. And we talked about that and how really, as we see here, the religious leaders were up in arms and upset because Jesus, they thought, was stealing their thunder. They were legalistic. They didn't have a heart for God. They just wanted to have their own following. Well, we also saw in, uh, later in this chapter, in John chapter 8, that they were upset with what Jesus said. How could you be uh, or know about Abraham? You're not yet 50 years old. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. But he meant not only that he existed before Abraham, but we noted how he used the same term that God the Father used of himself. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. You say it can't be. Yes, it can be. We talked about how the creator is not subject to the laws of creation. God is far greater than our minds can imagine, yet he met us in the person of Christ as we were able to see God in the flesh. Now, as we look at ver the, the primary verse here is verse 12, but basically in verse 13, we see the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the legalistic, the stiff-necked people and their challenges about Jesus saying. They were basically saying, who are you to say all of this? And do you, you're just talking about yourself. What proof is there? And Jesus understood that under Jewish law, there was a need for two witnesses. So he simply said, I testify of myself, and my father testifies of me. And so why were the religious leaders so upset? They understood Jesus was proclaiming himself to be God, to be the Messiah of God, but also God. In Psalm 27, 1, David says of God the Father, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now God the Son is saying in the presence of people that he himself is the light. And so he is the source, the eternal light, as we'll see in God himself. But also, as the light of the world, he is the Messiah of God. He alone is the one who would save not just Israel, but all people. In fact, uh, the Jews were awaiting the arrival 
of the Messiah. They had been waiting for hundreds of years. In Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6, Isaiah prophesies of God's servant being that light. In verse 3, the light is described as Israel. However, we know the greater fulfillment is Jesus Christ himself. He as the Messiah is the light for the nations. In another prophetic passage, in Isaiah 60 and verses 1 through 3, in speaking of a future time, it speaks of nations coming to his light. As we read Zechariah, we know that that light indeed is Jesus himself in that coming day, that day future to us, when people will come to him. He is the light for the world. And he came not just to save Israel, but the nations. That's why we are to go and witness to the nations. That's why we collect for missions. That's why we support the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. That's why we send monies and send ourselves into foreign lands because he has come as a light for the nations, the light of the world. You know, I was thinking back to a poignant event in Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, he was uh, in and around a particular area, and a woman who was a Syrophoenician, she was from Syria and Phoenicia, which was not, she was not a Jew. She lived in the area north of where the Jewish people, she was uh, a Gentile. And Jesus, she heard, was performing a lot of great works. And she came and she, she asked that Jesus perform a great work for her. And Jesus responded in something that in our culture today may not be acceptable because people wouldn't understand it or they would misrepresent it. But he said, I'm not to give to the dogs what is intended for the children. Somebody say, oh, he's called, he called her a dog. No, he didn't. What happens in our homes usually? Now, I know some people spoil their dogs too much, and I know who some of you are. You let them eat better than you do. And let's remind ourselves, dogs are dogs and people are people, okay? But what's the normal thing? We eat first, and then the dogs get second. That's the way it ought to be. I think that's the way God ordered it, okay? For those of you that let the dog sit at the table and eat with you. But, but, but here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus was not disrespecting the woman, but he was speaking of order. What happens? The food goes to the table and then to the floor. What's he saying? The gospel comes to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And that woman understand it, understood it because she said, even the dogs are able to uh, eat from the crumbs. And he said, blessed are you, and he granted the request. That woman understood something that we need to understand today. Jesus is the light of the nations. He has come for all people. He came as a Jew, but he came to fulfill prophecy. And as the light of the world, he's done that. So he is both God and the Messiah of God because God himself alone could take care of our sin problem. He was the only one as our Messiah. But secondly, he is also pure and sinless. Light has no darkness in it. Darkness represents sin, the effects that sin has on an individual. Jesus is and was the sinless one. He never said a wrong word. He never had a wrong attitude. He never... Um, acted or harbored a wrong 
thought. In fact, John the Baptist was testifying about Jesus in John 1, and, and he said that he, John, came as a witness to testify about the light. Who did he testify about? Jesus, that all might believe through him. And so as we look at Jesus, the light of the world, he came as a light to expose the darkness, to remove the darkness. That's why when Saul was saved on the road to Damascus and became Paul, a great light shone down upon him and it exposed the sin of this legalistic man, Paul. As I said, Jesus is the sinless one. And his desire is to save sinners. As the light of the world, what he did is he came to save sinners. I had the blessing I shared with the Sunday school class earlier this week. Um, I preached over at Pisgah Baptist Church in Rice on Tuesday night. They had a, a guest evangelist that was supposed to be there for five services, but he was from South Carolina. He had a death in his church family. He needed to attend to the funeral. And so as a result, there were two free nights I filled in on Tuesday night. A pastor, Tony Reeves, filled in on Wednesday night. And so uh, as I often do, I knew where the church was, but I like to get there early. Prodigal Son was singing that night. It was a blessing uh, to see them. And our church knows that group well. Gene Lee was in it. But as I got there early, I just stayed in the parking lot, and I began to go over my notes. And as I was going through my notes, this motorcycle comes up behind. I mean, it's the whole parking lot, and the guy pulls right beside me. And I immediately recognized this guy. I've seen him around Farmville a lot. And I, let's put it this way, I wouldn't want to meet that dude in a dark alley. I mean, he's older than I am, but I mean big, tough imposing. I see him a lot of times down at Tom's Country Store, and I'm very nice when we make eye contact to him. <laughs> so he pulls up, and I'm sort of looking, but it's one of those guys you're not going to stare too much at because you don't want him to think wrong. And uh, he takes his helmet off, he opens it up, puts it in the back, and he starts to walk into the church. I preached this service, and I, as I look out, I looked out, and man, he was locked in. I mean, he was just really locked in. And so then after the service, um, the pastor of the church there, Earl Wallace, said, oh, Ed said he's uh, going to be baptized this Sunday. He's, he's probably being baptized about right now. And I don't know, man, I just got fired up. I said, man, that's one of the toughest dudes I know, I've seen. And God saved him. Well, as I w was out back um, greeting, he came up, and I said, man, I'm so excited. And he said, are you Jack Caldwell's boy? And I said, yeah, I'm Jack Caldwell's boy. He said, I used to work for your dad. And he had worked as a mechanic and worked in with my dad. And, and man, I just was thinking, man, I wish my dad could see this. And so I get all excited about it, and there's a guy named Jimmy Brawford that used to work with my dad, and I knew Danny knew him. And so I said, Danny, this, this guy got saved. And Danny knew him. He said, man, he worked for me. You know what that did for my prayer life? God answers prayer. God saves people. He is the light of the world. This man, as tough as could be, 
came to know Jesus Christ, not ashamed of him, pulling right up in the parking lot, excited about the Lord. Jesus Christ, as the light of the world, he's the sinless one, and he came to take all of our sins away. But not only that, Jesus gives us direction. I like lights. The big joke of, with my sister is I give flashlights for Christmas to about everybody. I think some people may have three or four in their house. Years ago, uh, Karen and I, it was probably, it was a Friday night, it must have been about 11, 11.30, we were in bed, and I get a phone call. I don't, being a preacher, I don't like to get a phone call at 11.30 at night. And on the other end was our oldest son. And our oldest son at that time was a youth minister in Lynchburg, and I could tell there was some distress in his voice and also some hesitancy. He said, Dad, we got a problem. He said, I had a youth event at the church tonight, and John Mark fell. I think he broke his nose, and maybe that's my youngest son, had a few teeth loosened. And it, John Mark was getting ready to have his braces off, and, and I'll be honest, I I just think, man, I don't want to go to Lynchburg General here. I would get there about 1 o'clock. But then I began to find out more of the details, and my compassion was combined with frustration. They had played a game in the church in the dark. And first, my son's a youth minister. I said, you do understand liability issues here. And to make matters worse, John Mark did not know the church well because he just went to hang out with his brother and some, pe and some people that he knew. And so he, did, he wasn't familiar with the environment at night. And I, I lie to you not, he burst through a door, what I understand, and he was preparing to go through what he thought to be up steps, but they were down steps. So when he lifted up, he felt nothing but air, and then he couldn't even find the platform from which he left, and he went and face-planted. His nose still has a big hump on it. After I dealt with John Mark, I dealt with Wilson. I said, don't ever do that again. <laughs> and the third thing I did is I went to our youth minister, and I said, don't ever do this again. <laughs> but John Mark that night, what happened? He wasn't able to understand what was before him, what was before him. Jesus is the light of the world, but he's not speaking about physical sight. It's good to have physical sight. It's better to have spiritual sight, isn't it? As the light of the world, he gives us direction. He provides spiritual eyesight to us. We can see things. We're able to see what God is doing. I wonder today, are you living in, in a season in your life and maybe you're directionless? Maybe you're wondering what the next step is. Jesus is the light of the world. Maybe you're doubting yourself. Jesus is the light of the world. He gives direction. He gives as the light of the world direction. But then the fourth thing, the beautiful thing, because he's God, is his light never goes out, never goes out. I love the five-county fair. I didn't make it this year. But sometimes, like this week, I'll ride out, and it'll be a little sad, won't it? Because you look out over the field, and there may be a couple of remnants of what was a festive time last week, the rides, the noises, the joy, the smell of the popcorn, and all of that. This week will be gone. I was thinking about that 
in light of the context of our message here. Jesus breathed these words right after a great festival. There was a great coming together of people. There were lights as we saw. But that all ended and it would come back again the next year. Yet Jesus spoke true words when he says, I am the light of the world and he's the eternal light. This sign that we'll see when we go out here is actually burning up. This hydrogen fuel has already been burned about half of the capacity of it. Um, scientists say it'll last many, many more years. Don't panic. But science has found what God's word has said. Do you realize God's word is truth? Science is not truth. God's word is truth. Science is pursuing truth. God's word says that the sun is not eternal. I like the modern verse of Amazing Grace, and you've heard it. I think Chris Tomlin has sung it, where it says, The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below shall be forever mine. That song is right doctrinally, theologically. Isaiah 60 and verse 19 says this, The sun will no longer at that time be your light by day, and the brightness of the moon will not shine on you. Woe is us? No. Great is it for us because the Lord will be your everlasting light. Zechariah 14, 6 speaks of a day when the sun and the moon will diminish. Guess who will be the source of the light? The Lord Jesus Christ. The one who shines in the heart of unbelievers, as tough or as non-tough as they may be, to get saved. The one who shines counsel into our hearts that allows us to see spiritually the direction of God in our lives. The one who calls himself the light of the world will never be extinguished. You know, once when Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, and I closed with this, he was... He asked his disciples two questions. Who do men say that I am? Now, he was asking the question to see what they were thinking. Jesus wasn't impressed by the religious leaders or their opinions. What really mattered was the second question. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter responded quickly and rightly. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. It's interesting. Jesus didn't give him a check plus or a check mark. He didn't even necessarily say, you're right. He said, you're blessed. You're blessed that you see it. And then he said, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. What it's saying is this, spiritual things are revealed by the Spirit. I can implore, I can preach truth all that I can. You can read truth all that you can. But flesh and blood, there's no human being who can save you. It's only the Lord Jesus Christ. God's Spirit convicting you of sin and saying God's Word is true. I must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, who do you say Jesus is today? You see, what you say about Him doesn't change who He is. He is who He is. But it does determine whether you'll be with Him in heaven. John writes that He, the light, came to the world. The world did not recognize Him. But those who do, John 1, 12 says, to them gives he the right to be called 
sons of God. You want to be a son of God today? Do you want to be like that man that's being baptized? I know that I'm saved. I know Jesus died for me. I'm not being convinced by the preacher. I'm not being convinced by anybody except God's Spirit convicting me that Jesus is the light of the world. Wouldn't you trust Him today? Father, um, I pray today if there be any within the sound of my voice who have yet to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the light of the world, that today would be that day. Father, I thank you that you don't want us living in spiritual darkness. Lord, you want us living in the light of life who is Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you are coming again. And I pray within the sound of my voice that every person here is ready for that day. Father, there's some today, they need the light of your counsel. It may be a, a time of difficult decision, a time of doubt in their lives. Lord, may they look to you, the light of the world. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how God has spoken to you today, but the first offer.